Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. Hi there, Carling here. Whether this is your first episode of this podcast you're listening to, or you're working backwards from the more recent ones, these earliest episodes require a bit of patience, humor, and understanding. These episodes are a time machine back to when I had no idea what I was doing in editing, sound quality, or production. And there were two hosts. We were full of passion, laughter, and a whole lot of trial and error. But here's the thing. These episodes are the essence of my humble beginnings, and I'm hoping that's part of the charm. The raw authenticity that shaped the foundation of this podcast. Although this podcast has evolved and my interview skills and audio quality have vastly improved, the heart and soul of these episodes remain timeless. The stories I shared back then, they still hold significance and are worth hearing. These episodes make me appreciate how far I've come. So thank you in advance for your patience and enjoy. I was fully aware of everything around me, but I couldn't move any of my facial muscles. I couldn't move my neck. I couldn't speak. I was completely paralyzed. Hey, happy day. I never know what day to say. It's Sunday today. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) It is Sunday. It is Sunday and it's gorgeous out. Yes, it is. It's been a really nice week. It's been nice and warm. Yeah. Um, it's funny because my coworkers know that I never wear a jacket. Yeah. But I did wear a jacket (gasps) last week and it was like minus 40. Yeah. But then as soon as it warmed up to like minus 20, I was like, no more. Yes, jacket. I hate wearing a jacket. <laughs> it's, the worst. it's restrictive. I'm hot in my yeah. car. I don't like it. Yeah. Whoop. Now we're in the dark. <laughs> we're recording from our brand new studio. Woo! The closet. The closet. Um, today was kind of a weird day. Yes. We told your kids that Lindy and I broke up. I know. And like I wasn't in a rush to tell them. Like we broke up a while back, but I just felt like, yeah. why do we need to give them more trauma? Absolutely, yeah. But it just felt like it was time. Yeah. No, it was it was time. And they're a little bit, well, the older kids are a little bit sad, but yeah. they understand. And yeah. what did the younger kids Not say? Not the little kids. They were so funny. I was like, I was like, hey, guys, like, Auntie and Lindy and I decided, like, we just want to be best friends instead of girlfriends. And so, you know, like, nothing will change for you guys, but... You know, that's just what it is. And Jude's like, it's because you look the same. <laughs> and I was like, well. And then Claire pointed out our differences that Lindy has long hair. I have short hair. Yeah. yeah. Kate didn't really say anything. Like, she was just like, okay. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. But. Funny. Yeah. I know. Kids are so funny. I know. And then I was like, did you even know that they were boyfriend? Like, not Girlfriend boyfriend. and girlfriend. Girlfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> I don't even remember having that actual conversation with like the little kids. Yeah. No, it was just. You just have always been like Auntie Carling and Auntie Lindy. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Why are we wearing headphones right now? 
Because <laughs> we look more official. We look more professional. I don't know. So I'm when we play like, it back. Wait a second. Why are we wearing these? We can't hear anything. <laughs> it's oh, just part goodness. of the aesthetic. Yeah. Um, How was your week? Just work is bananas. Work yeah. is so crazy. And I think probably in the next couple of weeks, I'll go back to five days a week from uh-huh. four. Yeah. But like, if I'm being honest, I'm really liking the Tuesdays off. I know. But like financially, I'm not liking it. Yeah. It's but... funny because I've started working a little bit more too. I'm taking yeah. on extra shifts during the week. So that's great. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So this week just kind of flew by. Lindy yeah. um, has gone back to see family in Saskatchewan for a few weeks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is great. I yes. like it'll, but that also means like, Instead of two people looking after ten animals, now it's just one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you don't get to see me as much. <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah, overall, I think it was like a good week. And um, Devin gave me a pair of ice skates, and I'm going to go skating on Tuesday. That's exciting. When's the last time you were on a pair of skates? I don't know. Years, for sure. Yeah. Um. I had a little bit of like PTSD thinking about going to buy new skates because my mom bought me new new figure skates okay. like 12 years ago yeah. or whatever. And then when I left my ex, who we're calling Chad over on mm-hmm. Patreon, mm-hmm. Um, he sold them on Kijiji. He sold all my stuff on Kijiji. So oh, I was douche. like apprehensive about buying new skates. But... I like that little teaser that you just threw in about it's like... Got to throw in a little teaser about our Patreon. <laughs> well, a little bit of I a mean, teaser it, of what your marriage was like. I know. I like that was unintentional, but I'll take it. Totally. Yeah. Um, this upcoming Friday, the 26th. Twenty... Sixth. Sixth? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the 26th, we're doing part three of my story. Right. What happens on the 27th? Um, I don't know. Like maybe the greatest day this earth has ever seen. Oh, shut up. <laughs> the day the earth was gifted with your life. <laughs> that is such a weird way to say it. It's your birthday. Oh, it's my birthday. I, I have hate a couple. Birthdays. I know. Well, I've got a couple surprises as your platonic wife. I have a couple of surprises up my sleeve. I it's funny because I usually hate surprises. I hate being like surprised when I'm watching a TV yeah. show, mm-hmm. but I kind of like being surprised as a as a person. Like, as a person, what does personally that even mean? surprised. <laughs> I I'm the opposite. I I get surprise anxiety. Okay. If you tell me a surprise is coming, I'm very uncomfortable. For me, I've always liked it when people in my life and people that I love think about something that they know that I'll mm-hmm. like based on like my personality or whatever and they surprise me with it so you're going to be happy that my surprise for you is a blind date oh god (laughs) with a guy named donald i don't know that was the first name that came to mind the only way i'd be surprised is if you set me up on a blind date with like ryan gosling well i mean ryan if you're listening (laughs) (laughs) i know you're married with two children but like come on as a charity act (laughs) (laughs) that's all it would be well Full-on charity. my God. Um, I wanted to bring it back around to the ice skating. Oh, yeah. Because two years ago on Anthony's birthday, we went skating. Yeah. I put on skates for the first time in, like, 20 years. Yeah. And I literally could only wear them for five minutes. Like, I was like a baby deer. Like, on, what happened? On ice. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Like. Like, you couldn't stand up? No. Like, what? I, 
I don't know why. We need to get you a chair. I don't know what happened. But I was like standing on the skates and I could not, I could not balance. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I'm probably too heavy or something. No, shut your whore mouth. <laughs> My God. I was so uncomfortable. My feet hurt so badly oh. and I could not, I couldn't keep myself like. That's wild. The skates that Devin gave me are really comfy. Oh, good. That's awesome. I mean, I haven't skated on them yet. I just stood in them. Yeah. But I'm going to get them sharpened. I remember, too, being a kid, though, and, like, I've always had wide feet, so skates have always been, like, I think hockey skates feel better on my feet because they're wider. But I would skate with my feet in. Ouch. Like, going Yeah, like knocking knees. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I, I... I'm just like an awkward person on skates. Yeah, for that's sure. fair. That's fair. So if I go with you, I'm going to need one of those, yeah, one of those things to push. Yeah. Yeah. By then I'll be so good, I'll skate backwards and hold your hands. Aww. Yeah. I feel like I, we did, maybe I wasn't wearing skates when we went skating that one time with like. For my Anthony birthday and... when I got those new skates. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, sure I don't know, there. but that probably was one of the last times. Yeah. Crazy. Well, so next week, if we are doing this interview yeah. from, like, the hospital, we'll know oh. <laughs> that it did not go well. It did not go well. <laughs> Stay tuned. I'll post it on Instagram. But um, if you get a cast, we'll just put a sticker on it. I did not sign ooh, up for this sticker. yes. That would make good stories. So. There you go. All right. Well, just speaking. sacrifice for the, for the pod, would It's you? all for the pod. <laughs> speaking of good stories, um, we're talking to Olivia today. Yes. Olivia. Oh, I'm so excited. I like we don't even have to I don't know. Sometimes we talk about the episode that's just about to come up and I think like let's just Yeah. Let's just hit it. I mean, we can tell you that she's amazing. Yeah, like phenomenal. Oh, and we love her. Yeah. And she's inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all you get. Well, it, like because I'm about to hit go on the yeah. episode. So totally. enjoy. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Hello, Olivia. Hi, how are you? We're good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. We were so excited when you messaged us back and said that you'd do our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is my first podcast. Yay. I'm so excited. Well, that's awesome. I feel like there's going to be many more after. Um, <laughs> Hopefully. After yeah, yeah. Um, perfect. Well, why don't we just dive right in? Why don't you tell us like your name? Where do you live? What do you do? Okay, sure. So my name is Olivia Lewis. I live in Virginia, US, and I'm 23 years old. Well, we found you on TikTok. You posted a really incredible video about how you had a stroke when you were, like you said, 21. Yeah. So, um, it was a while, it has been a while, two years. I honestly, I don't even know how I'm here right now, but basically what happened was, I guess I'll start from the beginning. I had a brainstem stroke. So it was a bilateral artery dissection. So, and I hemorrhaged and then clotted which led to the strokes, basically to rewind. I guess I was having migraines for about a week or so, and I kind of blew them off because I was like, I'd always had migraines. It wasn't 
a huge ordeal. They would go away when I ate something or took a shower. It wasn't out of the ordinary. And because I was so young, if I went to a doctor, I feel like they really wouldn't know what to do. So, and I was in college. I was stressed. I mean, I mean, honestly, I think no one really have caught that. I was still stunning. I was hanging out with friends. Nothing was really hindering me. And then one night I woke up and I felt the shooting pain climb up my neck and into my head. And similar to what I assume you would feel if someone like splash water on you in your sleep, my body reacted and I completely jumped out of bed, but I didn't land on my feet. I fell head down into the floor and I lay there and I was fully aware of everything that was going on. I lay there in the dark. I remember I was I was so confused at first and I thought I really was gonna die. I couldn't move and and slide in the hallway to get my roommates. I could call out to them. I couldn't grab my phone. I mean there was nothing I could do. And do you remember telling yourself, like, okay, Olivia, like, pick up your phone, yell at the top of your lungs? Yeah, I I remember remember talking to myself and saying, you're fine, you're fine, it's going to be fine, and saying, get your phone, call 911, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get my hand to move, and that was really so, so frightening because I could not, I had no control over my body. It was oh like, my God, that's so scary. you know, I was, I was basically like, it was like I was buried alive. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And how many roommates did you have? I had two roommates. Oh, okay. And so you were living at school? Yeah, I was in an apartment. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. And so what happened? Like, how long did you yeah. lay there before you got help? So I would say I lay there for probably about an hour and then I'm the type of person that I've always set like 50 alarms for <laughs> my one class because yeah. I know I'll, I'll turn them all, all off yeah. so <laughs> I did that and thank god I did that because my alarm started to go off and my roommates after like the 20th alarm were like Olivia shut it off <laughs> and then they came into my room and to their surprise I was there in a ball on the floor, and so they called 911. Wow, and do you remember them coming in, or were you unconscious? I, so for the first hour, I was aware, and I was awake, but when they came into my room and they called 911, I, um, I remember, this is so weird, but I remember hearing the vibrations, but I don't remember really seeing them. I remember hearing the vibrations of their footsteps and then yelling my name, but I don't really remember visually seeing them. So I think at this point, my vision must have gone out. And so, and from there on, I don't, until I got to the hospital, I I think I must have passed out because I don't remember much. I imagine like the paramedics probably would have asked you like, or your roommates, like, does she drink? Does she do drugs? Like, were they ruling out yeah I yeah of course I mean I've never done drugs I barely drink I mean I was really a 
the model like 21 year old I was healthy I eat all like all organic I work out I you know walk and bike everywhere I I don't mean I mean I don't want to like prod myself <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not I am like I am a typical 21 year old also like yeah. I do have fun and I do eat candy and whatever but I yeah I was I really, I mean, it was a shock to everyone. Yeah. And so who contacted your parents or your family? So this is kind of fuzzy because I was, again, unconscious at this point. But from what I've been told, my um, my roommates called my mom and she was on the way to work. And they said something happened to Olivia. She's, she's on her way to the hospital. And I think... They initially thought I'd had a seizure. That's what they were thinking. But uh, again, I might butcher this, but my mom immediately drove to the hospital and she said, and I I am having a hard time remembering exactly what she said, but she said that when she got there, a chaplain came out and said, your daughter is really sick. And so at that point, she was like, oh, my God, like, she's dead. Like, she thought it was the worst. Is it just you and your mom? Or, like, is your dad around? Sorry. Yeah, my mom, my dad, and I have two brothers. So, and so they all came also. But I'm just saying from my mom's perspective. So they told her that. And they brought her into a small room like, a quiet, separate room, and so she assumed they were gonna say I died, and then after a few hours, they decided to, to bring her back. I'm kind of confused on this. I guess they were, they were, like, doing CT scans and stuff, so they couldn't bring her back immediately, Uh but eventually, when they figured out it was a stroke, they brought her back. And so I was pretty much hanging on for like for dear life. Like I was almost at that point dead, I guess. Wow. Wow. That's terrifying. That's that must have been yeah, like horrifying for your family, for yeah. you, for your roommates. Who yeah, it definitely you. was very traumatizing. Yeah, wow. And so what like how long were you in the hospital for? So I guess what happened was my mom was brought back and then the neurologist greeted her and said what had happened. So essentially I had an artery dissection on bilaterally. So I like I said in the beginning, I basically could have torn my arteries by doing something as simple as cracking my neck. They have no idea what actually happened. But I am not a crazy risk taker so I can't even imagine what I could have done but um from there I was bleeding from the tears and then the from the hemorrhage I clotted and then I actually had four strokes so I had brainstem strokes and then I believe I had a cerebellum stroke and then I'm not sure where else but, um, and did those all happen in the same time frame, like from the yeah, time? Yeah, because got I was home? on because I was on the ground for so long that I'm sure it kept getting worse because oh, I was gosh. on the ground. 
And they say with a stroke, like we're always told in first aid that like, if you think somebody's having a stroke, time is the enemy. Like you need to, yeah. you know, it's better yeah. if you get to a hospital. Yeah, right exactly. Oh my. So it was like, it was a perfect storm. Like it was the worst thing you could have ima- imagined. Anyway, so I was so bad off at this point that the doctor basically told my mom that he couldn't do any surgery on me because there was such a big chance that I could die that he didn't want to risk it or the hospital didn't want to risk it. They didn't want to be liable for my death. Oh so, my so my mom was like, if she's going to die either way, like with the surgery or without, wouldn't you try to do something? Like, don't just let her die out on the table. Like, at least try to save her. And then if she dies, she dies. Like, either way, I have a chance of dying. She was so adamant that they at least try. She basically whipped out that, do you have kids card? I feel like that was really what got him. And... Eventually, I mean, she's very persistent. Eventually, he decided to do surgery. And so he performed a thrombectomy on me, which sucked out the clot. I was unconscious for a few days, and my brain was swelling. But I couldn't, usually in instances like that, they end up breaking your skull open so that your brain can swell. But because mine was a brain stem, you can't do anything with that. They weren't able to do that. So after the surgery, it was really critical. And could they could they monitor your brain activity to know that, like you, I don't know if vegetables like an offensive word, but to, like to make sure that you were, you had brain function and all of that? Yes, yeah. So they very early on knew I was fully cognitively intact. And that's one of the things I really want to emphasize in this. So from that point forward, they diagnosed me with locked-in syndrome. And I, at that point, was fully aware of everything around me, but I couldn't move any of my facial muscles. I couldn't move my neck. I couldn't move my head. I couldn't move my hand, my finger, my toes, like, I couldn't speak. I was completely paralyzed. But I was every function. Like, even I couldn't regulate my breathing or my blood pressure or my heart rate or my temperature. I remember I was sweating bullets. Like, they had to put ice packs all over my body because I was so hot. The only way I could communicate was by looking up vertically I couldn't even look horizontally oh my gosh and how did how did somebody notice that like how I guess like how did you communicate to them that that's how you could but I guess they figured out my brain activity was active and then my upper brain function because the brain stem controls like your motor movement and everything like that so my upper brain function was intact. I guess like what they initially did, and this is still fuzzy because again, I was on so many drugs yeah. at this point. They, I remember, I think they said, if you can hear me, blink once, once for yes. Wow. And, and do you remember so that, that? Like you say it's fuzzy, but yeah. like, do you remember coming, it was like kind getting of, conscious? 
I feel like the way to describe it best would be I felt like life was kind of like a hallucination. Like I was there, but I wasn't. Like I understood that people were talking to me. I could process the information. I understood what like directions meant. I knew that part of my brain operated, but I was still on so many medications that I think I was just drowsy and not super hyper aware. And at the time you had obviously your family with you. Right. In the hospital. Yes. And did they start any sort of like PT or OT like immediately with you? Yeah. So um, another thing I really want to emphasize is how they, when I was given the diagnosis of locked-in syndrome, that is a very negative diagnosis and Uh usually means you aren't probably going to progress. But my family, you know, They were not going to take that as an answer. Very early on, like day one, they started moving my muscles, moving my fingers, you know, moving my legs. Because the earlier on you start moving, the earlier on you can progress. But I think the doctors and the nurses were like, she's locked in, like, don't give her false hope. But... I think they were like, we're going to try everything we can. Yeah, I guess because what's the harm, right? In in trying. Wow. I have a question about because you were a student, did you have like health insurance? insurance? I was on my mom's insurance. And so was that obviously like then did she have to fight to have the insurance company? um, Yes, it was the biggest fight ever. Oh, wow. She had to like fight them. I remember, but I remember early on, I just wanted to be with my mom. That's all I really wanted because I was, you know, obviously I'd just gone through this major trauma, but she had to talk to the insurance company like five times a day because they were trying to like put me in a nursing home and the ho- and they wouldn't let me stay at the hospital and it was just this whole thing. And my mom was like, I'm not putting my 21-year-old in a nursing home. Yeah, at least not without a fight. Like, you're so young. Oh, my. Why would you want to try everything to to recover? Exactly. Yeah. Just rather than write you off. Yeah. Wow. And so what was the transition then from, like, having that fight to actually starting physical therapy, occupational therapy? Initially, I was at a community hospital, and then from there, my family decided the doctors weren't very, weren't as forward thinking as like a trauma one. So mm-hmm. they, I got transferred to a trauma one hospital. I was there for about a month, and then I went to another hospital that was a step down unit and was not as intensive because at that point I was stable medically I just was paralyzed and were you still locked in at this point? yes so I was selling at this point so someone would list out the alphabet and I would blink on I and then I would blink on H and then I would blink on A and then I would spell out I have to use the bathroom oh, or whatever. God. 
Yeah, it was crazy. And that's how I, I couldn't even use my phone at that point. So I couldn't talk to my friends. I couldn't talk to anyone. Yeah. And um, so I went to that step down unit. And then at that point, I was like, at that point, I was so aware. Like, I was un- initially, like I said, at first, I was kind of fuzzy and out of it. But about two months in, I was so aware that I was, like, telling my family that the nurses didn't do something correctly. Or I wow. I was so hyper aware of everything. And at that point, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm ever, I'm going to be locked in for my life. Like, I'm going to get out of this. So wow. I started to, to research all the different rehab hospitals. And Spalding in Boston was number two in the country. And I was like, I have to go there. Like, <laughs> I was so determined to go there. And at first, we really didn't know if it was possible because it was out of network. So, right. so it was a stretch. But eventually, I, I got to go there. And that was a grace from God because it was amazing. It was amazing. Is that where you made the most progress? So, actually, no. I. So, this is where it gets kind of complicated. So, I was... I was flown to Boston on a medical flight with like three medical professionals and so at this point I was so I was still very critically ill and I arrived at Boston at Spalding and I was rolled in on a stretcher and this was like three months after my stroke so I this was my fourth hospital and I was rolled into my room and put down on the bed and you know people would nurses would come over and introduce themselves and I wouldn't be able to respond I just would blink and it was just honestly I know this sounds ridiculous but it was almost humiliating in a way because I'm such a social person I've always been and you know it was so hard for ha- to have people come up and talk to me and me just look at them with a straight face oh, you know and, but anyway so did you have people mistreat I, you like did you have people that maybe like discounted how much you might be understanding or yeah yeah definitely I had I mean I I want to make it clear that I have had so much love and support all the way around but there definitely were a few people that I feel like kind of discredited me or didn't take the time to communicate with me Uh so you know I would just have to blink or I would just have to at this point I could move my head so I would just be I would just shake my head because I didn't feel like taking the time to explain I didn't think they would sit down with me and spell out yeah, what, yeah. you know. So, but to answer your question, I 
I got to spotting, and immediately my OT was like, we're going to get your hand to work. So that was the first real progress I made was that I was able to start texting, and I was only able to use my left hand. But I could only use my fingers, not my arm. So I was still being fed. I was being spoon-fed, but I could at least type. That's so interesting, and, like, I'm so thankful that the OT had the forethought to say, like, okay, like, communication is going to be important. Let's start with this. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so we worked in that. I was at Spalding for about three months, and I was in a power wheelchair. At this point, I wasn't technically locked in. I could move my hand. I could move my head. I could kind of smile. I could move my legs a little bit. Like, I was beginning to, like, stand up. Or I could be... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, is that partly because your brain was healing? And so you were gaining that function back, or was it also because you were doing intense physical therapy? So I think a lot of my recovery has had to do with neuroplasticity and the way that a lot of my brain has made new pathways. Like, because I was always, you know, trying to move from day one, thinking about moving, like, visualizing you know, lifting my hand or moving my toes, that eventually a new pathway was made and my brain remembered how to move, kind of like muscle memory, you know? Wow, that's so interesting. So, but and but even after three months of rehab, I was still, I rolled out of rehab in a power wheelchair. I was able to stand, you know, but I wasn't able to really walk. I could move my hand. I was starting, starting to feed myself. Wow. And then and then my family decided the best decision to have continued care was to just rent an apartment in Boston and go to outpatient therapy at Spalding so I would have, you know, a familiar environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and did so you so your parents moved down there with you? My, actually, no. My oh. grandfather, who has a physical therapy background, moved to Boston with me because he basically was like my trainer. We worked every single day. Like We'd go to therapy for three hours and then come home and I worked for five hours in the gym or in the apartment or you know, on a mat or whatever. But um oh my God. that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. I know. <laughs> I he really that. is like my best friend. Oh my <laughs> but God. I but I I um moved with him and then my aunt also lived in Boston. So she helped take care of me during the days and nights. But um like with, you know, girl stuff. Yeah. But yeah. He but um you know, he was he both of them were such a blessing. I mean my whole family was and all my friends 
but you know my friends would come visit on the weekend or I just had so much support it's overwhelming but mm. but my parents had to take care of my two little brothers so yeah. they had to stay in Richmond and but you know they would come visit as much as they could but I primarily you know was just with my grandfather and my aunt every day and you know we'd have a schedule we'd go to therapy for three hours and then come home and eat and then work out for five hours and and you know something my family said they said throughout the whole two years was this is really like you're training for the olympics like i would go to bed at eight o'clock and then i'd wake up at seven and you know i'd have breakfast and then i'd be gone all day at therapy and then i'd come home and i'd walk the hallways in my apartment i mean it was really like I was training for sport. Wow. And and what about like what kept you going? And were there days where you were just like, I can't? Like I Oh I my can't. god, yeah. There were yeah. definitely days where I was just so I'd had it and I was so down on myself. I remember mm. this one day I went to the head of neurology at Mass General, which is a big hospital in Boston. And the neurologist told me to my face that I would never walk independently ever again because that was just something we all had to come to terms with. And I just looked at him and I was like, like, there's no way. So I remember, though, that day I left the appointment and just bawled the whole way home because I felt, you know, I felt like everyone who had a background was, like, kind of telling me that this was false hope and that mm-hmm. I shouldn't believe that I'm just going to walk one day or whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was really torn because I was like, am I being... Am I being, what's the word? Like, like am I being, or? yeah, unrealistic by believing I can get through this, or am I being realistic? <laughs> so, uh, and again, there wasn't a lot of research. Like, yeah. the stats they were all basing my recovery on were young strokes, but keep in mind those young strokes were based off of 50-year-olds. And I'm not trying to be ageist. Yes, 50 is young for a stroke. (laughs) But, I mean, I was 21, and being told I'm never going to walk again was totally, I mean, a huge letdown. But I, I kind of am the type of person who, when I'm told no, I get so angry yeah. and I'm like, I want to prove you wrong. Like I remember when I would practice walking, I would just visualize him telling me I'm not going to walk again. And I would like stomp that. Metaf- like I would imagine myself stomping on his words. Like Aww, I, just, I love that. I just, I was so determined to prove everyone wrong yeah. and thank God. I had so many people that were rooting for me, but there were a few 
and I latched on to those words, of course, that were telling me you're not going to get better. But I don't know if I answered your question. (laughs) But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's incredible that you can turn that, you know, the someone saying that there's no hope and you turning it into like, I will show you and I will show you what I can do and I can work, you know, eight hours a day to be wrong. Right. I think that's incredible. Wow. And obviously, obviously you weren't in school at this point. Was your school good about like pausing your semester or like, what did that look like? Um, I, again, don't really know a ton about this because no one really filled me in, (laughs) but I think, I, I think what happened was I was able to withdraw from my classes and it was my senior year. So what were you studying? It was like advertising. So it was my senior year and I think we were able to talk with the dean and get me withdrawn. And then I don't know the specifics, but mm-hmm. it, I mean, it was definitely not easy, but yeah. we had to like write letters. I know the doctor had to like sign off that I was incapacitated, but I can't tell you exactly what happened. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you're back in school now, right? Yes. Oh, wow. I'm finishing my last semester. Yay. And are you still in advertising, the same program? Yes, I am. I am. I guess that kind of segues into how are you today? Like, are you still actively recovering or is there, you know, is occupational therapy? Yeah, I I am definitely still in recovery. I mean, for what happened to me, I feel like two years is relatively a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm... You know, I'm back to walking, I'm talking, I'm, you know, able to do everything independently, but I still do battle with, like, some fatigue issues, and I obviously still have some residual effects with my speech, but I do still try to work out every day. I'm still going to therapy, not as much during COVID, but, you know... I've been able, like, I would, earlier on, I would ask my therapist to give me a list of exercises, and I'd go home and make an Excel spreadsheet, and I would just go through the list, and, you know, I've had speech exercises, breathing exercises, and, yeah, now I'm really focusing on that, but also school and then also I'm starting a foundation so I'm I my life is pretty hectic (laughs) yeah no kidding good for you though I mean you're you're just you know moving forward and taking on all these things and focusing on your recovery and your future I think that's incredible yeah your your Instagram handle is the new brain foundation so what is that about well, the New Brain Foundation is specifically geared towards, I specifically want it to be geared, it's still very much in the works, but I, the New Brain Foundation is 
specifically geared towards young strokes and young brain injuries because I personally, through my experience, feel like on the front end, I was not taken seriously with my migraines and my symptoms because everyone was like, oh, you're too young for a stroke or whatever. I mean, a stroke didn't even really cross anyone's mind. And I think there needs to be more awareness around a stroke or brain injury or whatever can happen at any age. And then also on the back end, like I said, I feel like my recovery, there was no research on really young strokes. I feel like a lot of my recovery was based on people in their 50s or 60s and I just didn't feel like that could accurately represent what I was going through yeah and so I really want to shed light on you know young strokes and young brain injuries but also through locked in syndrome people that are battling with it or overcoming it I want to give them a voice you know, because they've been silenced. And so whether they need a voice because they physically can't talk. So I want to educate and spread awareness specifically on young strokes and brain injuries. But I simultaneously want to speak for those who have been silenced due to trauma to their brain or things like that. That's so incredible. And do you still get migraines? I do, yes. And so, not as bad. Right. Is that an indication then that you're at a higher risk for a subsequent stroke? So I don't think I've been told I'm not at any more risk than anyone else for a stroke because, again, mine was random. Right. But, but I mean, I take an aspirin, so I'm 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 definitely on guard. But I wouldn't say that I'm more at risk. Wow. And so, and you're walking on your own, right? Yes. No, I'm not using any device. That's amazing. Good That's for you. So, you should like walk right into that neurologist's office and be like. <laughs> yeah, I plan to. Of course, COVID <laughs> happened right when I was going to make my debut. <laughs> so what Darn does, it. what does the future hold for you? What are you hoping to do in the next, you know, five to 10 years? I hope that I can really work in this foundation and develop it and I'm hoping to in the fall hold a walk to help raise money for the foundation and you know see where that takes me and then I also would like to you know dip my toes and maybe possibly public speaking or motivational speaking or because I really feel like my story is inspirational on so many levels and I feel like I can help so many people whether you've been through a traumatic medical experience or just a traumatic life experience yeah you're very well spoken and I think your story is so incredible and just your attitude about you know like I can do this and I'm not gonna let this stop me you know that's so inspirational for people who maybe are now experiencing a traumatic brain injury. I really want to tell people everything is possible. Like Mm -hmm. so many people told me no and I just didn't listen and I worked my ass off and, Mm -hmm. and I 
you know, was able to achieve the impossible. And I, I just, I really want to share that you just have to believe, you know? I think that's, I mean, even for people who haven't been through something like that, you know, they can see that, you know, you've gone through this incredibly traumatic injury and you've been able to work to get yourself, you know, healthy again or, you know, walking again. That's inspirational for just regular people who maybe are having a difficult time being motivated to do something. Yeah. Like it's, that's amazing. And I just wanted to say that I feel like this also was almost emotional for me to do the podcast because for so long, you know, I basically just thought about all of my emotions or whatever. I never expressed really anything. So finally being able to really talk about it feels so good. And I just am so happy to be in this moment and be able to really talk about my journey. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you could share with us. And I think we just think that you're amazing. And I mean, your life is just starting, right? Like you, you have so much that you're going to do. Yeah. So many people that you're going to inspire. Yeah. I'm so excited for COVID to end. I yes. know. Oh my oh. God. We're so ready for we it. We need it to end. So yeah. yeah. Are you still living in Boston or are you back? No, sorry. I should clarify. Okay. I am. I'm back home in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So I came home last December and I am I'm living at home until I finish school but Mm -hmm. I plan to move out in the fall oh wow that's great are you able to live totally independently yes that's amazing Amazing. wow you know I feel like I've been home I've been isolated for like two years I can't wait to kind of spread my wings I'm just absolutely I'm thrilled gosh Olivia thank you so much for being on this podcast thank you I'm so happy you had me hey awesome well, well I hope you, you enjoy so the rest of your afternoon you too thank you again oh thank you awesome it's been amazing bye right, guys we'll, we'll talk to you later bye bye, bye. hey Carly hey Michelle <laughs> that was an incredible episode so good Olivia Thank you. Anytime I'm like, I am too tired. I just want to think about her. And yeah, and her all day workouts and freaking determination. I mean, her Instagram is just filled with like her walking. Yeah. Just being a badass. Yeah. And like the fact that she wants to like really advocate for like young people with with brain injuries and trauma. Like, ah, ah. How do we find these people? I like, mean, so inspiring. We're blessed. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. It's true. I just need to point out that your toe is in your sweater and it looks like a penis. <laughs> you do not need to point that out on our professional podcast, Carling. Like, your foot, okay, your foot is, like, up on the stool with you. And then you put your sweater over top of your big toe. Just feeling safe. <laughs> and I no longer feel safe in my own closet. I'm feeling attacked. You need to come out of the closet. The, the weather's fine out here. You're making it seem like I need to announce something. I, I will come out of the closet. I am straight. I've never said it before. Yeah. I've been really nervous to tell you. But I've been straight. trying to set you up with women and you're like, no. Oh, man. 
I found I find gay people on TikTok have like the best humor. Yeah. They're hilarious. It's cuz we have a lot of trauma. It's true. <laughs> I love it. Um everybody, thank you for listening to this episode and follow us on all of the social medias except Twitter cuz we don't understand it. Um at I did not sign up for this. Twitter's like an angry scary place. It it's intimidating. Ugh. I don't I yeah. don't want to be on it. No, 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 no. No, we're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. We have a Facebook group yeah. if you want to like interact with us and we chat about the episodes and what's going on. I always want to say chitty chat, but mm. the ladies on the office ladies say chitty chat and it irritates me every time. Yeah, I was irritated the second those words came out of your mouth. Oh, wow. Okay. Good to know. You irritated me at chit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also... We have merch. Oh. <laughs> We've got merch. <laughs> Um, on our website, you can go to I did not sign up for this .ca, and we've got a link to our merch store. So, if you have found yourself say yourself, yourself. Say, saying <laughs> I did not sign up for this, and you need it on a beanie, a pillow, a sweater, a, a tote. tote. Oh, <laughs> we spent too much time together. Um, then you know your dreams could be a reality. Wow. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> I'll say it again. <laughs> Here at the podcast, we make dreams come true. It's true. <laughs> we are dream fulfillers. Well, yeah. <laughs> Good Lord, we have gone off the rails. We're tired today. We're yeah. Silly. We're yeah. Anyway. Anyways, I'm just gonna try to. S- I know. Now I feel like you're just I'm gonna, gonna try say to say everything. I'm you're gonna saying. cover my mouth. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We hope you have a fantastic week. Yes. Wherever you are. And especially if you're in Wyoming, even though nobody there lists still. Yeah. We just checked before we started. Like we, (laughs) this is a hill I will die on. Right. I got to go to Wyoming and make, make something happen. This is what we need to do. Next episode, we are going to cold call Wyoming radio stations. Yes. And promote our podcast. Yeah. Before they can hang up on us. Yeah. We are going to like get hi, somebody. Thank you for calling Wyoming 101.5. Please listen to I did not sign up for this oh, podcast. I feel like we would just be like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, help us. All right. Have a great um, week. And okay. thanks for listening. Kay. And goodbye. Bye. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL.